Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Unchurched. My name is Rebecca and I'm your host for the next half an hour or so. What we do on Unchurched is we talk about uh, topics that involve church culture. Church culture being the thoughts and ideas and beliefs and actions and corresponding traditions and, you know, the things that people do stemming from what they believe and feel about stuff that... um, should be influencing their daily lives. And then we compare that with what's going on in the the Bible. Here on Unchurched, I'm going to tell you up front, we're always going to side with the Bible. This is not a slam the church or the church is wrong and find the perfect church. Because if you know anything about people and if you've been following along, we have come to the conclusion, at least I hope you've come to the conclusion that there are no perfect people out there. Um, it says in Romans that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that I've sinned, you've sinned. And if you're going to tell me you haven't sinned and that you're living perfectly, I'm going to call you a liar because, and and the Bible allows me perfectly to call you a liar because first John says that if a man says he has no sin, he lies and he does not know the truth. Um, is that, but we also know that God is faithful and just to cleanse us from if we confess our sin that he's faithful and just to cleanse us from any unrighteousness and i believe that's first john 1 9 um today we're going to be talking about um grace oh and so there's there's a this is a a really interesting topic because um in the church there are it's kind of a heated topic and has been for the last i would say five to ten years and um it's getting a little overshadowed by uh, some other topics currently but I, i think that this is one that uh we need to return to because um it's important to identify what biblical grace is and what the church is describing as grace and I, and I think that there's some things that we're missing as a church and as a collective church body, and I mean the body of believers. I mean everybody who professes Christ as their Lord and Savior is that um, we need to understand what grace, God's grace towards us looks like. And I think that that is – it's hard for a lot of people because um, – the in the way that God presents it to us, it's 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 insane, um, and we'll get to that in just a bit. But um, if you go to church, um, you may hear if you're in certain church circles that you'll hear, and you ask what grace is. Well, they they'll tell you it's God's unmerited favor. That uh, it is. Uh, some may even throw out a Greek word of um, I may be pronounced I'm not great with my Greek but um where I believe it's um Haris uh Char- it looks like Charis like Charis um but it's uh Charis I think is that is the name is Charis and it means unmerited favor specifically from from God and um that that uh that that's what grace is, is that it's this leaning of God towards us. It is um, associated with forgiveness is that God forgives us because of his uh, astounding grace towards us, which is his unmerited favor. He really likes us a lot. Um, So he, 
he uh, he's bestowed his grace upon us um, and that our faith and our salvation is not dependent upon what we've done, but because of his unmerited favor that and that's that's repeated and reiterated in Galatians. Um, so if it's unmerited favor, uh, if you start, he- if you go to church, you'll start hearing um, some different things from people like, well, how do you obtain the favor of God? And um, there are some sects of Christianity. If you go into their church, they'll be, they'll tell you that you can lose the favor of God, that, um, that, oh, some people are bestowed with extraordinary favor of God and that uh, you can fall out of favor with God and that you've got to keep that favor to in order to keep God's favor on your life. You have to live a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to speak a certain way and you have to do things a certain way. And if you don't act speak and do certain things that you are going to fall out of favor of God, that you're going to fall out of grace, that you're going to have a fall from grace. And um, they'll t- those usually in that camp, there are people or that group of people, they'll tell you to be aware, beware of greasy grace, which means that um, people will tell you that, uh, that it doesn't matter what you do that God's grace is there and it's abundant and you can live however you want and you will have the favor of God on your life. That you have to be aware of that um, greasy grace, extreme grace, Um, that it's this extreme thing. And so that, that there are people that believe that if you, um, that it doesn't matter how you live your life, that you can um, do all the things that uh, that God, the, the way that God doesn't want you to live and that you will um, still have the favor of God on your life if you live a particular way. That if you, um, we, we just went through all the sin, uh, all through sin. So if you're living a sinful life, um, it doesn't matter if you live good or if you live sinfully, you're, you're going to have the favor of God. That's just the way it is because you have Jesus, therefore you have the favor of God. Um, well, there's, the, I mean, it is, those are two very extreme examples and I'm sad to say that both of those examples do occur in the church. Um, I was in a church that um, I, I tend to steer clear of the churches that say that um, um, that there's this grace that's abundant for all. It doesn't matter what you do say or think is that God's favor is for you. Um, I, you know, that they, that God has favor for you. Live your life the way you want. Make yourself happy. God loves you. Um, it's like, yes, but no. I, I'm like, yeah, but no. And I actually like what the Bible says. So um, I'm going to read the Bible and I want to be more like Jesus. So um, 
and doing those things, I'm not going to be more like Jesus. So I, I'm going to go back to the Bible and I'm going to go find some people that like are that like the Bible and want to be like Jesus. Now, and I spent several years in a church that was um, very much of the mindset that you could lose favor with God, that certain people had favor and other people didn't, and that you could be saved and some people had more grace than others and more favor than others, and that you could do certain things to obtain the grace of God and more grace and favor of God on your life. As I've read the Bible, I've learned that that's not necessarily that's really not true, is that God's grace and favor is not something I can earn. I can't obtain any more grace and favor or favor of God than what Jesus Christ has. And if I'm, if I'm in Jesus Christ, then I have that favor. And I'm going to show to you why both of them are right and why both of them are wrong today is that, that they both have a piece of the truth and that, yes, they are both right, but they're both very, very wrong and that the actual truth is somewhere in the middle of these two camps. And I know I'm, I'm going to lose everybody that's far off on the one side and everybody that's far off on the other side because the, because, uh, the people that are like, I, because the people that are, that are legalists, they really want to believe that they can earn God's favor because they're, they're, they feel like, oh, yes, I, I can gain God's favor. And then the people that are on on the, you know, in the greasy grace side are like, well, uh, well, I, I don't I can sin and I've got God's grace abounding towards me. So it's fine. I'm going to be fine. Um, God's called me to do whatever and I'm going to be fine. And um, no. Uh, there's the the Bible is very clear that and no there are um, <laughs> that even though you may be saved and you may have Christ in you if you persist in in sin you are going to prove yourself to not you're you're not you're you're not doing the, you are not doing God any favors and you're making him look bad. Um, so there's there's both sides is that uh, of this thing. So what we're going to do is we are going to start off in Luke 23. So um, Luke 23 in verses 15 through 26. Um, I'm going to read it from the Living New Testament. Um, this is the story of Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was this guy who was in jail. And Jesus has been captured. He's been being accused by Herod and by the Pharisees of um, being, you know, saying horrible things and, and saying a lot of things. Some of the things that he, he did say were true. He said, destroy this temple. He was referring to his body. And in three days, I'll raise it again. And they thought he was like, oh, he's going to tear down the temple in Jerusalem, the big stone thing that got built. And um, 
he was running around saying he was God. And according to the Torah, if somebody is wandering around saying that they're God, then they are uh, they need to be stoned and put to, you know, put to death. So he's um, in the mind and they didn't want to accept that he was the Messiah, that he was uh, God in the flesh. They didn't want to believe that it was Emmanuel, God walking amongst them uh, to show them the way to show them, you know, that what God had been preparing for them, even though their prophets had spoken of this, even though um, it's been spoken of by Moses and David and Isaiah and Ezekiel, that God was going to come and walk among them. Here, they were denying that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that Jesus Christ is sent from God. And so they put him up on trial. Um, Jesus, who had done nothing wrong, um, he was wandering around healing people, saving people. Um, I mean, well, saving them from uh, financial ruin. He was helping out the poor. He was feeding them miraculously and forgiving people's sins and basically doing. I mean, he was it was upsetting the system of the temple at the time and, you know, causing a lot of problems in churches. And, you know, he's. Uh, and people were following him around and he was causing lots of inconveniences for a lot of people for the day-to-day doing of things and telling them things that they just didn't want to hear that, um, no, you can't live perfectly. That's the whole point of the law. And you're telling people that they can. And then you're saying that you've been living perf- perfectly. And he's talking about these Pharisees and these Sadducees. And and it's clear that to them that you're not. And you, God knows that you haven't been. And you're taking these people and you're telling them this. And then you're you're making them worse people than before. Um you're not you're not doing your job so they they put him on trial Herod sends him over to Pilate and Pilate's like because Herod can't get a word out of him because Herod wants him to like perform miracles and be like a dog and pony show and Jesus is like no I'm not gonna do it and um so he sends him over to and he's mad so he sends him over to Pilate and Pilate's like he's interrogates him and he's like what is going on here? You haven't done anything. I don't even understand why these people. And Jesus, is, he's like, are you the son of God? And Jesus is like, well, is that what you say? Because, like, do you believe that? He's basically saying, are you saying this because you're saying this? Or are you believing this? And Pilate just gets frustrated. And um, he's like, goes out to the Jews. And he says, hey, look, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. Um, let me release him. And they're like, no, we want him to die. So, um, so, uh, Pilate called together the chief priests and other Jewish leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt against the Roman government. I have examined him thoroughly on this point and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. I will therefore have him scourged with leaded thongs and release him. He's like, so just to make you happy, I'm going to beat him. Uh, Verse uh, 17 and 18 says, um, so... Um, for it was necessary for him to release to them at least one prisoner at this during the time of the feast. 
And but a mighty roar rose from the crowd as with one voice they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas to him to us. Um, now, Barabbas was in prison for starting an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. So Barabbas is basically in in prison for everything that they're accusing Jesus of. They're like, this guy, Jesus is um, trying to cause insurrection. And he's he's an insurrectionist. He's a terrorist. This guy is a terrorist. Kill him. We want him dead. And and he's like, well, uh, and he's like, well, you know, he's innocent. Let me just release him. You guys can have him back. And they're like, no, give us Barabbas, the guy that has actually been doing everything that they're accusing Jesus of doing. They're like, no, we'll take the actual murderer. We'll take the actual terrorist over the innocent guy. So Pilate argued with them because he really wanted to release Jesus. But they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Once more, for the third time, he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. I will therefore scourge him and let him go. But they shouted louder and louder for Jesus' death and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sent Jesus to die as they demanded, and he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, at their request. But they, but he delivered Jesus over to them to do as they would. So um, here's Barabbas, who's done everything that Jesus is being accused of and more. Uh, Barabbas is a terrorist. He's a murderer. Jesus has done neither one of these things. And Pilate's like, I want to I want to let go of Barabbas. This is what grace is, is that Barabbas absolutely 100 percent. This is grace and mercy. Is that Barabbas um, was absolutely, absolutely deserved mur- to die for his penalties, for his crimes. The penalty for his crimes was death. He had murdered people and he was an insurrectionist. So he's causing problems. He's causing, you know, he's probably blowing up up places, causing problems, um, you know, burning down buildings, um, you know, for what he feels are good causes or even not even good causes. So he's a murderer. He's a terrorist. And it'd be kind of like, oh, probably... um, uh, I guess the same would be like with S- Saddam Hussein is that is that Saddam Hussein is Jesus Christ has taken the place of Saddam Hussein, an insurrectionist and a murderer. And instead of Saddam Hussein paying the penalty for his crimes, Jesus does. So mercy would be to say, you know what? Barabbas doesn't need to die or Saddam Hussein doesn't need to die, but he's going to stay in prison forever. That would be mercy. The grace is the unmerited favor of God, which would be giving him what he absolutely doesn't deserve. And what he absolutely doesn't deserve is not just to live, but to be let go and be made free. That 
is the unmerited favor of God, and Barabbas received it. I want to point out here is that Barabbas was not, we don't know if Barabbas ever accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We don't know if Barabbas, we don't have that satisfaction because the scriptures don't tell us. We don't have the satisfaction of knowing um, whether or not Barabbas repented. It is very likely that he continued on a very terrorist and perverted lifestyle after he was let go. I would, I, my hope would be is that he actually changed, realizing that Christ, that a guy died for him and took his place, that did not deserve any of that that jesus christ was like an incredibly good guy and barabbas had to barabbas was like oh and this guy paid his penalty and that's where i think that we miss it with grace is that we each one of us needs to see ourselves in the feet of in the place of barabbas because each and every single one of us deserves to be Barabbas for our crimes, for our, um, our, our, our penalty against God is that we absolutely 100% deserve death. Now, I know that there are some Christians that do struggle with that. And they're like, I, I haven't, but I, I'm not a terrorist. But I'm not a murderer. If we go back and we listen to what Jesus said, is if we've harbored hate in our hearts towards another person, we absolutely have murdered them. If we've looked lustfully at another person at any point in time, we have indeed committed that in our hearts. And if we've lied, we are at best, <laughs> I mean, at, at, our, at the worst, a terrorist is an insurrectionist. Uh, a, a liar is, a, is an insurrectionist. They're a terrorist because they're spreading lies to the point of destruction in other people's lives. That If we can't see ourselves in Barabbas, we're not going to understand the unmerited favor of God. There is nothing that Barabbas could have done to erase what he had done to erase the murder. He couldn't bring back he he couldn't bring back a dead person. Uh, he couldn't undo the uh, terrorism that he had done. I mean, it's it's done. It's over. I mean, it'd be like telling the guys that um, blew up the the two towers at 9-11 that, um, that uh, to put it back, make all those people, put it all back, put back the people's lives, put back the, the, the towers, put them back. He can't. They can't. One, they're, I mean, that's, that's just not, that it just can't be done. Uh, how do you restore a life that's, that's dead? How do you restore something that's been lost like that? How do you, uh, we're talking lives and monies and finance and financial empires and, um, uh, just 
yeah. Um, but that's what the grace of God is. To forgive someone before Barabbas, Barabbas wasn't seeking this from Jesus. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, can you do this for me? Jesus did this for Barabbas without Barabbas asking for it, without um, knowing that it was going to happen, is that God loved him so much, is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for him, is that he sent Jesus Christ not just to die for Barabbas, but to take the place of all of us. And if we can't see ourselves in Barabbas, we do not deserve, we, we don't deserve Christ at all. Because we are absolutely 100%, each and every single one of us, no better than Barabbas. If, we give our, if we're honest with ourselves. And that right there is the gospel. Is that God loves us so much that while we were enemies of him, enemies of the cross, enemies of everything that God stood for, everything that God is, everything that God does and loves, is that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And that is the unmerited favor of God. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't pay it back. Um, how, how would Barabbas pay back Jesus Christ for that? How would, how would you pay back any of that? You can't. I mean, again, how do you pay back a life you've stolen? How do you pay back um, time from, that you've taken from people? You, you can't. But God forgives us. And then he gives a he give he forgives us, he spares us from death, and then he gives us what we don't deserve. We do not deserve the favor of God. Um so that's that's ultimately that is that is the grace of God. Is it extreme? Yes. Is it something you can work for? No. Can you lose it? <laughs> no, you can't lose it um, because it's there. It's a gift. Uh, it's, it's something that he graciously extends to us. If we sin, he is, and we, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is that is that's it right there is that you can't earn it you can't work towards it and it is there for everybody no matter what station of life they are in what they've done the grace of god has been extended to us and it's a gift all we have to do is receive it Jesus Christ was very clear that for God so loved the word, the world that he bega- that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That the gift of eternal life 
is through grace, is by grace. Um, if we want to talk about somebody who was a murderer and also an insurrectionist, uh, the let's talk about uh, the character of Saul for a moment. Because Saul was this character, if you read in Acts, he was this guy, he helped kill uh, Stephen. He was very approving of when Stephen stood up and basically shared the gospel with a bunch of Jews, and, and then they decided to stone him. And Saul went around, and he was very zealous for imprisoning and murdering Christians, you know, and having Christians imprisoned, having Christians put to death, uh, terrorizing the Christians. He was just awful for them. And Jesus Christ <laughs> reached out and had a meeting with him on um, the on the road to Damascus and revealed himself to him and said, hey, stop this. I'm I'm the Lord, stop this. And he reached out to Saul and Saul acknowledged that Jesus Christ was Lord and was like, uh, oops. And Jesus said, hey, follow me. And Saul then became Paul. And Paul, who is essentially Barabbas, uh, a New Testament version of Barabbas. He then ends up writing a very good portion of the New Testament that we read today. And what guy doesn't know better than what grace is? He speaks about it in Galatians and he talks about it in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. Like, he even rebukes the Galatians. I love Galatians because he rebukes the Galatians openly for them pursuing basically legalism, returning to the idea that they can earn God's favor and that they can earn more of God's favor by, oh, by by doing good works, by doing good things, by being a certain way, by returning to the works of the law. And Paul rebukes them and says, no, 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 you can't earn this. It's been given to you. And he's like, I'm, he's like I, I know this better than anyone else because this has happened to me. Is that this, this grace. And he talks about it in every single letter that he writes about the grace and the love of God and, uh, and the mercy. It's that God showed him incredible grace and gave him an incredible ministry that has survived for over 2,000 years um, through the letters that he's written to the churches all throughout the Mediterranean and the Middle East. Um, but yeah, so that is grace. Grace is, um, we, we can talk about more about it um, later, but that's, that's, that's what basically grace is, is the unmerited favor of God, is that we can't earn it. We can't, um, we, we, we can't earn it and we can't purchase it. And we, I mean, it's there for us, but um, it, it is extreme is that there is an incredible amount of grace for us through the gift of Jesus Christ. Um, 
that's grace in a nutshell of God's grace towards us. I do want to get into a little bit more about the nuances of greasy grace and legalistic legalism. Um, and maybe we'll talk, we talked about more from the legalistic perspective. Um, but I think we're going to talk about uh, grace, the greasy grace, and do, does it give us a license to just do what we want and sin? And I think what we'll do is we'll cover that aspect next week because I think that's important to acknowledge because um, that is something that does come up quite a bit because there there is the unmerited favor of, of God that's out there and there are people that misunderstand it and misapply it in such a way that I think that it is misunderstood at, by people who do not fully understand the gift of Christ. So we'll discuss that next week. Um, if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas, or if you want to be a guest on the show, I'd love to have you. Um, you can send me, drop me an email at talk to me at unchurch.net and um, be happy to chat with you there. Um, Anyway, so uh, tune in next week. We'll be talking more about grace and we'll see you then. All right. Bye-bye.